Hey, late bloomers, hey! I am Robin, your host, and welcome to the Coming Out Late podcast. And happy Bisexual Awareness Week! That's right, today is day two of Bisexual Awareness Week, also referred to as Bi Awareness Week. Bi Awareness Week came about in response to the prejudice and marginalization that bisexuals experienced from both straight people and their very own peeps from within the LGBTQIA community. Meaning, if you declare yourself bisexual, you do not feel comfortable in your hetero world or in your new gay world. And sadly, that same discrimination and marginalization still exists today. Bisexuality Day was first observed in 1999 after being thought up by three bisexual rights activists, Wendy Curry, Michael Page, and Gigi Raven Wilbur. It was decided that Bisexuality Week and Day would take place during September because Freddie Mercury, the singer of Queen, who was also a bisexual, was born in the month of September. And more specifically, Bi-Visibility Day was proclaimed a holiday on September 23rd because that was Gigi Raven Wilbur's birthday. Well, it should come as no surprise to anyone who listens regularly to my podcast that when I either don't understand something or I want to learn more about a particular topic, or if I wish to give a marginalized group or individual a voice, then I do that because it can only make me a better person and make us all a better community. I've shared this with you all here before, and again, I'm not exactly proud of this point, but I am not only a former homophobe and a former transphobe, but I too did not understand bisexuality, and I maintained a whole bunch of uneducated misaligned misconceptions of bisexuality with never having known a single bisexual person, not one. I had had no firsthand experience knowing or even talking with a bisexual person, and yet I carried around with me unsubstantiated biases and prejudices toward bisexual men and women. And as a society, we seem to reject and ostracize that which we don't understand or experience or that we fear because it's different from our own experiences. Well, boo-hoo for us, that's just too bad. Because in the meantime, our poor bisexual brothers and sisters have had a very, very hard road to walk. And they still do. And mostly have had to walk that road completely alone. So I did what anyone would do with a podcast, and that is invited a handful of some of my bisexual friends from our weekly Bisexually Speaking support group from our Coming Out Late community, and we got together and had an open, honest, and nearly a two-hour recorded dialogue. And of course, it was recorded with permission. And we discussed their viewpoints, their personal experiences in this whole new world of being newly out, and also newly bisexual? And how are they navigating this environment that you'd think by now, in 2022, almost 2023, would not be a hostile environment? But remarkably and sadly, it is. So I guess I just spilled the beans about what this week's episode, part one, is about, and also next week's part two episode. I'm just so impassioned about this subject matter, and I feel very protective of my bisexual peeps. And it is Bisexual Awareness Week, so I want to give my bisexual friends a voice and a chance to be heard and ultimately to be seen as a real subset of the LGBTQ plus community. We covered a lot in this episode, so buckle your seatbelts, and if you're driving while you're listening to this, you should be buckled up anyway. So yeah, we covered a lot. Remember, these are adults having adult conversations, so you may hear adult language. Also, I want to remind everyone that this conversation took place over Zoom, and each person was calling in on their own devices. So I apologize in advance if the audio quality is not consistent throughout. But I promise you, the quality of the content has not been compromised one bit. So... With all that said, let's allow Ms. Jaslyn Edgar to take us in with her song, Shine. And I will see you all on the other side where we will start part one 
of the two-part series Coming Out Late and Bisexual. Take it away, Jaslyn. You, you've been hiding in the shadows way too long. You, always thought that you were weak, but babe, you're wrong. Yeah, you, better step into the light, just give it a try. Think that it's time you let that spark out. You've been hiding in the shadows way too long. Hey, welcome to the Coming Out Late podcast. I'm Robin, your host, and I'm a late bloomer just like you. We are a part of a rapidly growing, lesser known, or even talked about subset of the queer community. We're a tribe, if you will. And if you're anything like me, when I came out, I was confused, scared. I felt like I was going crazy and I felt all alone and had nobody to talk to. Not to worry, you've come to the right place. In the Coming Out Late podcast, you'll hear real, raw, and relatable Coming Out Late stories. You'll be inspired, informed, and educated, and you'll definitely feel supported. And you can stop feeling like you're living someone else's life and start living your own. So welcome. You have found your tribe. And welcome to the Coming Out Late podcast. Okay, okay, we are back. I invite you to get comfortable and have a listen to our pre-recorded session from one of my Bisexually Speaking support groups. Here we go. Welcome to Bisexually Speaking. We are going to do something today like, well, different for this group, but very similar to what I've done with other groups this week. And that is we are recording for the podcast. I've gotten everybody's permission. And um, some of us have been renamed to protect the innocent. (laughs) <laughs> or just for fun, too. And yeah, we're going to talk about all things bisexual today. And the reason it, it came as a suggestion from Sam, who, or can I say you're, <laughs> anyway, it came as a suggestion from Sam, who, who is, has come out bisexual herself. And it really, came, it, it really, she brought it to my attention. And so did a lot of the posts in our Facebook group come to my attention that we really need to ban women who are questioning if they're bisexual, women who are certain that they're bisexual, women who are not certain they're bisexual, whatever. But we need to talk about this because this subset of the LGBTQ community is not only underrepresented, but harassed, in my opinion, and and woefully misunderstood. So the point of the group in general, moving forward, when it's only a brand new baby, baby gay group, is to really offer support, you know, to to anybody who feels that they may be bisexual or don't even want a label or they're not sure, whatever. But, you know, and, and in particular, this particular meeting today, since we're recording it, I want it to be, I want it to be known out there to everybody listening that women that are, that come out late as bisexuals, you know, struggle with uh, their own set of issues in addition to all the other stuff that we struggle with. And it's not fair. And I want everybody to embrace and love all my bisexual friends. So so anyway, we're going to have a, a conversation. I've structured it to be similar to some of the other groups that we recently reported. And that is, is those people who want to speak. I'm going to ask you, actually, whoever wants to speak, would you raise your virtual hands so that I can remember? And, and anybody, well, your vir- can you, Lottie, raise your virtual hand? You don't know how to? I'll raise it for you, I think. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll remember Lottie. So this way I can remember. And some people are just here to listen. Or some people are, are at work or busy cooking or taking care of their kids or their family. And they will be communicating with us through the chat. And they, I have gotten their okay to, to read their comments in the chat. So what I want to do is go around. And those of you who want to speak, I want to, my first thing is, is I want you to say your first name, whatever name you want, and give us a little background or introduction of who you are, how old you are, because I think it's important for people listening to the podcast to know the variety of ages so that they can see themselves in you. And just a brief introduction of your, your name, your age, your relationship status, and if there's a before and after 
relationship status, then, you know, that's, that's cool too. And what do you identify as, if anything? So Sam, you might be a little busy because we just got a new person joining the group. So I'll start with Lottie. You know, your your name and a brief introduction, your age, your relationship status, you know, that kind of stuff. A little brief coming out story. Sure. Hi. Hi, Robin. Hi, everyone. Yeah, so I'm Lottie. I'm 53. I was married for, well, married for 20 years together with my soon-to-be ex-husband for 28 years pretty epic length of time since I was 25 and I am single we're separated but cohabiting at the moment in pretty amicable arrangement with our two teenagers and that's working out pretty well at the moment one of our teenagers has health issues so we're going to carry on like this for the moment and I identify as she, her, as cisgender. And at the moment, I'm identifying as queer. And I'm here, I'll say more a bit later, but I'm here because I find the whole, am I lesbian, am I bisexual, am I neither, am I fluid, very interesting challenging and I suspect I've got a lot of both homophobia and biphobia internalized from all these decades so that's partly why I'm here that's cool that's why I'm here you know because I I am a self-proclaimed I'm not proud of it but I was a homophobe I was I was a transphobe I was a biphobe I mean you name it I was phobie and I love that and my, I would love it if one day that we were all just queer, like everybody, so that, you know, there are no labels. Like next week I could change my mind and decide to be something else, you know, or, or identify as something else. But I love that. Thank you, Lottie. I, I appreciate that. Let's see. Hillary, we'll go to Hillary. If you could tell us like your first name. Well, I just told you your first name. <laughs> your age, how you identify your relationship status then and now. And what, if anything, do you identify as? And are you out to anyone? Sure. Well, my name is Hillary. I am 31. I am married for six years. We've been together 11. My alarm door is about to go off going outside. You may get that in the recording. But And yeah, married six years, together 11. I've known him for half my life. Still married. Haven't told him, but out to my therapist and two of my good friends and I my pronouns are she her and I I feel like in my heart of hearts I probably identify as gay but I am just trying to reconcile that with my entire life history and trying to get comfortable with what people say of you know no no label really matters but at the same time I feel like I need it to understand myself so that's that's my identity for that at the moment. That's awesome. And and that's, you know, I found that was my evolution, that it was important to me early on when I first came out that I, I needed and wanted to, to tell the world that I was either gay or lesbian. Uh, and now it just, it doesn't seem so important, which is interesting. I've been out seven years. So, well, thank you and welcome. Welcome, welcome. I forget who else wants to speak. Oh, Daya. Love that name. Hi, Daya. Welcome. So, so your name, your age, I guess we your age, your relationship status. What if all, what if anything that you identify as and are you out to anyone? Okay. Good. Hi, I'm Daya. I am 53 years old and I'm currently married and I've been with the same person for about 14 years. She's wonderful and I identify as bi. And I pretty much feel very, you know, feel very comfortable with that label and don't think it's it's going anywhere anytime soon or ever. Other questions? Sorry, I was trying to go uh, tick, 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 tick. You know, I need to have a chat. Are you, are you out, out to anyone? Yeah. Yes, I'm out to my husband. I'm out to close family members and close friends. For a while or? Yeah, oh yeah, for the last two years, sorry. I just okay. realized two years ago, 
And so when I was 51 and I'm pretty, I'm pretty much out to anyone who's close, close to me, even at work with people who are closer, I am also out to them. Cool. Well, welcome. 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 This is awesome. All right. Did we get Heather? Well, Heather has to, can, oh, okay. Thank you, Heather. I'm going to read Heather's. She's not able to talk right now. I am 47 years old and have been married to a cis man for 23 years. I currently have no intention of leaving that relationship because of my sexuality. I fall under the bi umbrella, but often describe myself as not straight or bi or bi or chaos <laughs> fluid. I'm out to him. I rarely label myself to others, but I do not hide that I am attracted to women if it organically comes up in conversation. That's really cool. That is really cool. So you fall under the bi umbrella, but often describe yourself as not straight. That's another one that I've used in the past, which I think is really cool. You know, maybe in place of queer and, and just say I'm not straight. That's really cool. Well, thank you, Heather. Thank you for being here. Sam, your turn. <laughs> Hi. I'm Sam. I am 38, soon to be 39. And I've been, uh, I identify as, I, I'm liking, currently I'm liking queer better, but I'm also fine with identifying and do often identify as bi, she, her. And I've been out since April. So only a few months. Not only out, but that's also when I realized, too. Wow. So the realization and coming out, and I'm only out to, which will give answer to the next question, to my husband, who I'm married to. I'm only out to him and close friends, most of which are online and not in person. I made that realization that it's easier to tell people online for me than it is to say it in verbally. So yes, I'm married. I've been with my spouse partner for 18 years. He's my best friend and oh, he yeah. is very supportive and encouraging. And it came as no surprise to him when I told him. And we have two little kiddos, a five-year-old and a seven-year-old who keep us really busy. And think that was i'm the one who wrote down the interview. <laughs> I think that was everything okay cool well welcome sam it's great Thank to have you here all right with a show of hands or just unmute because i'm not really sure if the people if the women remaining want to introduce themselves oh good worry <laughs> hi can you hear me not really okay hold on it's this oh gosh can you hear me now better all right. I don't know. Maybe I don't have the right headphones in. Are you hearing me okay? Yeah, much better now, but there's a lot of okay. movement on that. Try to stay still. <laughs> okay. I think it might be my headphone. I just have all this drama around technology. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, good Lord. So I am 58 years old, going to be 59 in a few weeks. I had my first girlfriend when I was 55. I'm she, her. I have been married. I've been with my husband going on 43 years. That's cool. We have, yeah, we've been in an open relationship. Well, semi-open relationship. I'm open. He's very, it's very mono. But he's very understanding, supportive, kind, caring. But that is because we've gone through 10 years of hell, learning how to appropriately be open honest and caring for each other and have some serious boundaries issues that we have learned. So none of this was me just coming out and woo, it was all been perfect. No, it has not been perfect. It's been a hot mess for a lot of this, but we are at a place now where I think we have a good rule book for ourselves. That's important. Cool. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a, she heard and I am out to him. I am out to one of my girlfriends. I'm out to one of my ex-lovers and not my children. Not my children at this point. Your children are probably grown. They are 36 and 37. So they're very grown. But yeah, no, not my children. <laughs> why is that? If you don't mind me asking, you don't have um, to. 
No, no, I'm happy to answer. I think why not my children? Oof, I don't know why not my children, except that I'm not comfortable with it. You know, I moved out for two and a half years. So they've got, they got a whole lot in their head that they can pull from and imagine. Nobody's ever asked me, mom, except my nine-year-old granddaughter asked me, mama, why did you move out of the house and why are you back? Wow. <laughs> nine-year-old. Yeah. But my Old children have never asked. When they're ready, they'll ask, and I'll be happy to be happy to explain at that time because I'm very okay with I'm very okay with the truth, but I don't want to push it. So when they want to hear, they can ask me, and they can get the whole they can get the whole story. I don't have a problem. But nobody, you know, even when I was out for two and a half years, nobody mentioned it. It was like this really weird thing that I moved out and no, neither one of my children. So I invited my daughter over to my apartment once and she only came once. There was no conversation around it. And so, yeah, they just, I don't know. I guess when you're together 40 years and you decide to do something like this, they kind of, I don't know what it did to them, but it didn't damage them. It's just not something they wanted to talk. Oh, go ahead. I'm going to say I'm currently at the coast for a f- couple of days with my husband and we were driving down the road and it said, caution, wildlife, drive slow. And he looked at me and he goes, caution, wild wife, I need to drive slow. <laughs> that is great. Yeah. Oh my gosh, wild wife. Yeah. Good wife. Yeah. And that's what I want for everyone to be wild, you know, to have a wild life. I mean, you know, life mm-hmm. is meant to be enjoyed. It's meant to be an adventure and to be fun. I love that. And, and you are a very good example of that, by the way. And I, yeah. I love, I love that, you know, that you were open and honest about the fact that you didn't just arrive to where you are today based on, oh, it was easy. Like you just made an announcement and voila, you know, you're here. And you're in a an ethical uh, non monogamy relationship. For anybody who's listening, that's what that would be considered. Or correct me if I'm wrong, Lori, but I believe it's called an ethical non monogamy relationship. And in her particular case, oh, go ahead, Sam. No, continue. Uh, but I want to talk about that. Okay, great. And in her particular case, it's it's like one way. You know, it's she's ethically non monogamous, and her husband chooses not to be. But the in, the important thing here is that it took them 10 years to get here. And it doesn't necessarily have to take anybody 10 years, but it wasn't an overnight thing. You know, it wasn't like, you know, Lori just made an announcement one day and, and he was like, okay. And the key was communication. You know, we've been talking about that a lot lately on the podcast. Communication is so important. And it was their give and take and their sharing and blah, 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 that, that got them to the, the final quote unquote contract, you know, or rule book that they have. And I'm sure that rule book has probably been tweaked over time. So, so really good stuff there. Good things to think about, good things to consider. I really appreciate that, Lori. I don't know that it's an easy road. Right. I, right. I don't know that. And so people going into it just need to know. They better have some boots and they better pull their boots up because you're going to be walking through some stuff that you didn't even know was possible and just keep going. Just keep going. Yeah. Yep. And, I, yeah. and yeah, I think really when fun. you're five, when it's five, it's harsh, I think, because now you're, you're negotiating a lot more than if you're just came out and you're single. That's yeah. my opinion. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We have more questions to come. And Sam, you wanted to comment on, I think, ethical. Yeah, it, it might be. It might be better to do it after all of the introductions. Okay. I think it'll open. I think it'll open up a big discussion. Okay. All right. Cool. So I'm going to read. We have another another person who's here who's kind of busy with their kids, but they in the chat, they wanted to introduce themselves. Her name is Sarah. She's 32 years old. She goes by the pronouns of she, her, and she considers herself bi or queer. She came out about a year and a half ago. She's married and intends on staying married to a man for 11 years. 
She's been together with him since she was 18 years old, and they have two children. I'm out to everyone. I've accidentally lived quite a binary life. <laughs> I love that. I've accidentally lived quite a binary life trying to squeeze myself into either the gay or straight box without realizing that bi was a valid option. Oh, I love that. And when it came to it, I couldn't imagine an option other than being out to everyone or not at all. Very cool. Well, welcome, Sarah. I know you got your hands full over there. I appreciate the introduction. Have I skipped anyone? I think everybody went. I believe so. So we'll bring it back to Sam, who wanted to bring up a topic. Yeah, I I did want to bring that up because I think it is important to talk about and something that I am still learning about is that ethical non-monogamy, but also the term of polyamory. Ooh. And that's something that I think it's important to talk about because it, you know, polyamory can be something that you have to come out for as well. And so it can be really tough to decide where you fall. And I'm definitely having that struggle right now. You know, is this something where I'm just looking for general connections with other people, physical connections with other women? Or is this a situation where I could potentially have an additional relationship? And just to be clear, I, my husband is okay with me. He's, he says he's okay with me dating, but he has no interest in it whatsoever. But to be honest, as I've been researching this, even just the past week, I don't know if he's actually comfortable with me dating or with me having physical relations or physical connections with women, because those are two very different things. Good point. Polyamory is more just to kind of define and and this is me just learning. So I don't have the, you know, I'm not an expert on this or anything, but I think it's it's nice to hear from people who are still figuring it out too and to hear that process. It's helpful for me. So as I understand it, polyamory is multiple relationships and ethical non-monogamy to me, it seems like that's more of a casual thing. It's not something that you are looking for another partner to spend your life with. Whereas polyamory is you do want to have multiple serious partners. And the other part of that is that some people feel different. Some people would still describe having multiple partners as ethical non-monogamy. And so that's where it starts to get confusing for me and trying to figure out where do I land? Where do I fall? What group do I seek out to make community local? Am I going to be welcome in those groups because I don't know where I fall? So, and that's such a, a, a tough thing that not just bisexuals struggle with or wrestle with, but all of us, I guess, is not, if we don't know exactly where we fall, then we, we worry about being accepted, which is, you know, which is crazy. I mean, I, I, I encourage everyone to stand tall with your head held high and just, you know, it's okay to not, it's like entering university and, and declaring undecided, you know, not knowing what you want to major in. It's okay. You know, it's okay. Lobby, did you, did you have anything you wanted to share? I wasn't sure. You... I think it's really interesting. And my, my hesit one of my misgivings about defining as bisexual is the the kind of myth around it that is all about not being decided not knowing what you want want or wanting to have everything which is obviously the biggest myth of all you want your cake and eat it and I think that we're talking about polyamory now makes me feel a little bit like people listening will think, oh, of course, they're going to be polyamorous because they're bisexuals and they want to have their cake and eat it. They're the ones who want threesomes. 
they're the ones who want, you know, a girlfriend and a boyfriend because they can't make up their minds or they want to have it all. So that's, I'm just going to throw that in now because I'll blow you it's like the elephant in the room. <laughs> yeah, that is what everybody thinks about bisexual. And there are polyamory, obviously, is practiced by people who are completely only interested in one gender or people who consider themselves queer but wouldn't date people of the same gender, of the, you know, what it's, it's so diverse. And yeah, so I just thought I'd throw that in there. And I just also wanted to say that I think until you do explore polyamory and what it really means, um, it's really hard to appreciate how incredibly sophisticated a kind of communication requirement it puts on you. You know, I mean, I've always said I could never do polyamory because my communication skills are not up to it you know I think you have to have like a master's in (laughs) relationship communication to really to do it properly and when I've heard people talk about it on podcasts and you know it's clear they've done so much work like our other you know our other speaker was saying it takes a lot of practice to get it right I mean there are some great books on it obviously like the ethical slut and polysecure which i've you know i've dipped into just because i think it's really interesting but yeah just just a little health warning that i i may be interested in both all genders in but i'm not currently interested in polyamory and yeah that's quite common so that's my little well, you brought you all me a can of worms, man. <laughs> yeah, Lottie, I'm so glad that you said that too. I get very focused on the one thing that I'm talking about. And so oh, yeah, sure. I'm I'm so glad that you opened up because it is so important for people to understand that that is separate, you know, as you're saying. That's yeah. not a part of bisexuality. Yeah. It's completely separate, as is ethical non-monogamy as well. That's completely separate as well. So I'm glad that you brought that up. And people need to realize that, that these are, there are no blurred lines. You know, the only people that are blurring the lines are the people that don't understand. And, and what I would encourage people to do, if you don't understand polyamory and you don't understand ethical non-monogamy or bisexualities, is to educate yourself. And, and that's kind of what I, that's why I'm throwing myself into these kinds of topics and conversations, because I didn't understand how how a woman can be bisexual, you know, and and I want to understand. I want to be accepting and uh, and and more open minded and and not judgmental. But I'm so glad you brought up the elephant in the ring, which are let's let's I'll, I'll call on Lori because she just raised her hand. But I do want to talk about and raise to the surface what are the myths around. And that's putting it nicely. Um, let me just tell you, what are the myths around bisexuality? Because it's, it's worse than myths. I mean, people can be downright rude to, to people who are bisexual, and I don't like it. It's a form of bullying. And, and yeah, anyway, let me, don't get me started. Let me ask Lori to unmute and we'll share with us. Looks like Hillary wants to say something, too. Okay. Nope. Nope. Okay, hold on. Now, can you hear me? A little bit. Yeah. Better? Yeah, that's good. And try to stay really still because we're getting a lot of feedback from you or something. I'm going to take my headphones out. Is that better? (laughs) Yes. Okay. So what I see in in ethical non-monogamy or what I've learned, I can be ethical, but the person that I'm with may not be. Whoa. Right? So where's that line? Oh, where's that line? I'm being totally ethical in my, do I take on their non-ethical no. behaviors, right? It's to the curb, man. I mean, it depends on what your boundaries are, right? Right. Yeah, it, it do- doesn't work. It's a hot mess. That's a hot mess. So, and then polyamory to me, for me, what I've learned 
is that poly is more than one. So I'm automatically polyamorous if I'm bisexual and I have a husband because he's part of the equation. For me, I can, I need to have an emotional connection before I can go do anything. I have to have a, I, I, I'm, I'm not a good Tinder girl. I'm not a woman. My God, I'm almost 60. I, I'm not good. At, I would not be good at Tinder. I'm not good at hookups. I actually have to establish a friendship. And from there, we can discuss where it might go. So that's my polyamory that works for me. I never have done um, multiple relationships at the same time, except my husband and one other person. That's my comfort level. And, and I don't know that I can, I have the capacity for more than one other person in my life. And so I really had to decide what's my capacity. Cause when you get started in this, it is like a playground <laughs> that you're in and you're it's so exciting. And, you know, Nari starts, right. And you're just so overwhelmed by all the things because you never let yourself go. And so I never let myself go and I wanted to go crazy. And I realized real quick. I don't have the capacity. I am going to burn out on this so quick that I need to figure out on top of dealing with my husband, right? And us working through this, I need to figure out my capacity. I think my capacity at my age is one additional person will be female. And, and that's what I can do. That's, that's what my bisexuality is going to look like. That's good. Cool. Yep. That's it. It's not. I, mean, I, I love the idea of identifying your comfort level and also your capacity level. I think that's pretty cool. And it's yeah. going to look different for each and every one of us. I mean, we can call it polyamory. We can call it ENM, which stands for ethical non-monogamy. But the reality is we are all different individuals. And, we, and we're going to, <clears throat> quote unquote, write or script a different playbook with our partner or spouse or significant other based on the two of us, you know, it's individual to that relationship. So it's going to look different for a lot of people. And, and the reality is, I think the general public needs to understand that it's not a one size fits all. Mm -hmm. It's just not, it's an old mentality. I think Holly, for me, so this was a big, this was hard. This was a hard thing to overcome. My husband saying, it's okay if you have relationships, but don't fall in love. Are you mm -hmm. kidding me? I am a lover of love. I cannot not love because that's part of my love language in a relationship, right? I have, I love, I have to love the person as a whole, right? And so that was huge. Can you love another person in polyamory and still love the person you've been with most of your life? I did it. I did it. But I decided that relationship wasn't healthy for me. And so it's no longer, but I did it. I carry that with me. I'll carry it with me till I die. Right. I actually fell in love. That was with a man, right? But yeah. I fell in love with another man and he added to my life. And he, and then our relationship took so much from my life that I decided I'm going to just keep with the loving parts in my heart. And then I'm going to move on because... I don't need to do this. This doesn't need to be this hard. And if it's this hard, I'll just paint. I'll just go back yep. to my painting and yep. I'll just sit in my room and paint. And there, that's easier. Right. Yeah. Life <laughs> does not have to be hard. And and thank you, Lori. I really appreciate your your input and feedback. Um, Hillary looked like she was going to unmute before. Oh, there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I I think you said it at the very beginning, but I think the biggest myth or misunderstanding around bisexuality specifically, and I can't speak to polyamory or ENM or anything like that, is basically that it's just like a waypoint to deciding, nope, I'm definitely straight or yep, I'm definitely gay, that it's not a real identity. You're just like testing it. And then, then people don't take you seriously. And I say that because when way back when I was a teenager and first heard that term and female friends of mine were saying that to me, I was like, well, but are you really? And didn't, didn't believe them. Now, of course, I understand that I do believe them, but I hear that fear a lot from other people who found that identity and that others don't take them seriously. Or if they are seeking open relationships with the other people that they want to be open with, 
aren't interested because they think this isn't real. You're just going to go back to your spouse or whatever. So I can imagine that that is exhausting and feels invalidating and just makes everything that much harder to live your authentic life. Oof. Thank you for bringing that up. And that's kind of, you know, if it's okay with the rest of the group, that's where I'd like, I wouldn't mind going or some of the other myths and and misunderstandings about being bisexual. Lonnie, did you want to add anything? I'd be, I'd be interested to, to add that for me, the biggest disincentive to identifying as bisexual was always when I tried to get into the gay scene when I was in my early 20s was I was desperate to feel like I belonged somewhere. And I think that's very common, you know, especially if you've been a little bit different all your life in whatever way. And, you know, we all want community. We all want to belong. And not so much now, but certainly in the early 90s when I was trying to come out, and I know a lot of people my age who had this, it was a very binary uh, scene. Either you were gay or lesbian or you were straight and lesbians did not trust bisexuals. And I think this is that myth that's been mentioned that you'll break their hearts. And I have still seen people posting about this on lesbian-oriented websites. It's like, watch out for those bisexuals. They're going to come and break your heart. It's like, why are we more likely to break anyone's heart? You know, a lesbian could break your heart and go off with another woman. You know, what is the difference? There's literally no difference. Um, but for some reason, bisexuals are a great threat to lesbians. It, well, to some lesbians, obviously. But that is one of the myths, isn't it? Yes. And yeah, I think, I don't think in a way, the fact that bisexuals now are much more confident about being more experimental, trying out with different relationship models, and bi and pansexual people are really at the forefront of, you know, being much more open and fluid. I think that is also quite threatening to old school gay or lesbian women and no doubt men as well. Wow. Well said. Very well said. Thank you. Was there some, Daya, did you want to jump in? Yes. The point that um, that I wanted to make was about how I had really wanted to come out to more people. And then I found that people would make certain assumptions if you say I'm bi, that's becoming like, oh, you must want to sleep with everyone or this means your folly or this means you're this or that. And that kind of affected that because there was one friend who was, you know, great support and everything. But when I said once that, oh, uh, I have my friend coming over and who was bi and we were just you know, coming to me to oh, my husband for the first time we were all going to like and she was going to stay over right and I said this and then he, he said oh, did you record this and then I thought oh my goodness <laughs> and he was automatically assuming this and this is the person who's completely wonderful and very supportive and very nice but still was making that that jump in his mind that if you know the word sleepover or stay over definitely means that this was just going to be an all-out a really fun time, you know, so in, in a particular way, you know, and I was so surprised by that because I, I didn't expect that to come from, you know, from anyone. And then I thought, oh my goodness, this is someone who's supportive who's saying this, and this is fine because he laughed about it that, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to, you know, but what if I just go and tell people that, you know, as I said, more at work or other places, and then what are they thinking? And I don't want to have to then go and explain myself out of something that I don't even know what I put myself into, you know? So that's kind of why I stopped a little bit, you know, went, went back a little bit on that. Anyway, just wanted to put that. Bring that oh, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. And I don't blame you because it's, it's sad that we have to edit ourselves like that, you know, and be careful and protect ourselves. Did you want to say something, Sam? Your hand's back up. Yeah, just to... Daya's point. I wonder sometimes if the term bisexual is kind of a disservice in a way. You know, it's the only term that actually indicates sexual, like sexual. I wonder if that inadvertently puts some sort of stigma in people's minds, even subconsciously. 
you know, because yeah. you're talking about sexual, you're saying sexual. That's also part of the reason that I prefer queer because whether or not I'm a sexual being is nobody's business other than the person I'm with. If I share that with somebody, I will. I also love to make human connections and that has nothing to do with my sexual identity. So I think that 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 is a difficult thing for a lot of people. And I do hear from, have heard from some friends that it's also part of the reason that they've adopted the term pansexual as opposed to bisexual. And there is, and and Lottie, you may be able to speak to this a little bit better than I can, the differences, but because because it's it's funny that there are differences. Technically, there's no difference. I think they had to reinvent reinvent the identity because of the prefix bi. And everybody now talks about trying to get away from the binary. Yeah. And especially, obviously, in relation to gender. But in terms of sexuality, I think it's really, it's really sad but that, that, you know, they had to come up with something new. But actually, I know from my reading that the Bisexuality Manifesto, which exists, actually specifically has been updated to say all genders. It's, you know, it's all gender. So it is technically the same as pan. But I yeah. totally agree with you. I, I love pansexual is being attracted to the person, not the uh, gender. Mm-hmm. The wine, not the label, as wonderful Shit's Creek always <laughs> says. I love that. Oh, wow. Hillary, go ahead. Well, it's also, I, I appreciate hearing the difference, or non-difference rather, between bi and pan. But I think two thoughts. One around gender and sex specifically because for some people regardless of their gender they wouldn't want to form that connection because of anatomy and maybe that's internalized homophobia or not I can't speak to that but I I hear that from a lot of people and then I think the second issue around labels in general is the history for the queer community and fighting to get those labels and then now we've moved into another phase of dismantling that and it's sort of like an interesting spot to be in and since all of us are newer we may not necessarily be able to speak to that that history and what it was like to get there but it's another part of it too and how do you honor the history of the labels and yet recognize we've moved forward like any evolution Mm -hmm. of, of language you know absolutely yeah I agree and and I think it was creative in a way to come up with a new word, which many people f- felt was more inclusive. But yeah, I think there was a struggle for a long time with the bisexual community around that. But a lot of young people now, they just say, yeah, I'm bi pan, bi slash pan, you know, and they're, they're kind of cool with it all. But yeah, that's... I loved what you were saying, Sam, about the house, the word sexual in the labels, pansexual and bisexual, are talking about your, 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 you know, how, how and whom you want to have sex with. And it's just not on, is it? It's not on. And I love the word queer for that. Queer is like none of your business who I sleep with. And I love it. It gives me all the freedom I want. I can be attracted to whoever I want. Yep. Uh, yeah. And it's political. Yeah. So where do we all stand with, you know, with the label? Do we need the label bisexual? How do we have community? I mean, there are still so many questions, aren't there? We need another podcast probably, Robin. We do. We do. It's a busy, busy dense topics, you know, because there's so many rabbit holes that we can go down. Wow. With nearly two hours worth of recorded conversations to work with, we covered a lot of great information already in this part one of a two-part series, all about bisexuality. 
I also want to take this opportunity to thank all the participants from my Coming Out Late Weekly Bisexually Speaking support group who agreed to record these hard conversations and share them with the world. Your bravery and candidness is paving the way for us all to continue these hard conversations and hopefully gain a deeper understanding of the complexities of coming out late and coming out bisexual. You can learn about how to attend our Bisexually Speaking weekly support group and our other two support groups by checking the show notes, where you will also learn how to join our private Facebook group, Coming Out Late. If you would like to be a part of another complex and challenging virtual conversation, then I invite you to join our guest speakers from the nonprofit organization, YES, which stands for Your Empowered Sexuality, and they're going to join us on Wednesday, September 28th at 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time when we all tackle the topic of compulsory heterosexuality, or COMPHET for short. And that's at our third Coming Out Late Speaker Summit meeting. You can take advantage of the early bird savings for just a couple more days by following the Calendly link in the show notes. Or you can email me and I can provide you with that Calendly link. If you cannot make the live summit, on Wednesday, September 28th, you can still purchase the recording to listen to at your leisure by emailing me at comingoutlater at gmail.com, and I'll walk you through how to purchase the recording. So once again, mark your calendars, Wednesday, September 28th, another challenging complex conversation. It's a virtual meeting starting at 7 o'clock, and it will take the place of our regularly scheduled Women Loving Women support group meeting for that evening only. If you really like my Coming Out Late podcast, please leave me a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It actually does help our podcast grow when you do that. And if you would like to support me and all my content and services that I currently provide at no cost, then I invite you to consider buying me a virtual coffee to show me your love and support. And you can do that by going to www.buymeacoffee.com slash Robin Douglas, R-O-B-I-N-D-O-U-G-L-A-S-S. That's buymeacoffee.com slash Robin Douglas. And I also want to thank the over 80 of you who have already shown me some love and virtual coffee donation support. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Between now and next week, all I ask is that you please be good and loving to yourself. And if you can't be good, at least be good at it. And remember, it's better late than never. Why? Because it's never too late. If you're looking for your people, your community, and a safe place to learn and get answers to your questions, then come join the conversation. Come join us in our private Facebook group, Coming Out Late, because we all know it's better late than never, and it's never too late. Time.